Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Praise God. Well, we're going to talk today about the, the benefits toward you of being in regular church attendance. Praise God. You know, it's beneficial to you to be in regular, uh, in, in a in a habit of regular church attendance. Praise God. And we've actually changed the way that we've been, or, or we're, we're redoing our thinking a little bit. And instead of saying we come to church, we come to the meeting of the church. Praise God. Why? Because you are the church. You are the church. And as the church, well, the church meets here every week. Praise God. So if you're a, a, a part of the church, then it is to your benefit and our benefit that you come to the meeting. Praise God. Praise God. And so um, our first reason that we're going to talk about today uh, for coming to the meeting of the church it is, this is the place that has been ordained by God. It's not the only place, but it is one place that is specifically designed to equip you. It is specifically designed and, and purposed by God to help you to learn, praise God. You see, it is in here. This is the easiest place there is for you to learn to, to uh, walk with the Lord. It's the easiest place for you to learn how to be used of God. You know, let me just say it this way, that the people that are here... They're for you. Praise God. Not everybody out there is. There's a lot of people out there, but not everybody out there is for you. There are some people out there that, that uh, uh, would like to see you fail. There are some people out there that would like to see you defeated. There are people out there that don't like you very much. There are people out there that don't want to help you. They, they, they don't want to... Uh, uh, participate in your growth. They don't want to encourage your spiritual growth. There are people out there that, uh, uh, you know, the world's a tough place. Anybody agree with that? Praise God. It's a tough place. And in here is the place 
When you gather together with the people of God, this place is specifically designed and ordained by God to help you to grow in your walk with the Lord so that when you go out there, you're equipped and you're prepared. Praise God. You see, the purpose of church, here's, here's what church has done for so long. We taught people how to live in church. Well, this is how we do it here. This is how we live around here. This is how we behave around here. This is how we act around here. But, and we taught people how to behave in church, how to live in church. But we need to teach people how to live out there because the vast majority of your life is out there, not in here. Praise God. Praise God. And so... Um, what, what is it that makes this the, um, the preferred environment for growing spiritually? Well, first of all, it's a, it's a controlled environment. When you come in here, uh, you know that things are controlled in, in such a way that every week you're going to receive the Word of God, you know that Jesus is what we're going to talk about. You know you can come in here and you can be encouraged. Now, that's not true of every church gathering, you know, uh, but I can only speak for this one, that that is assured that when you come in here, I don't care if we're having a... a uh, a fellowship dinner, or if we're having Sunday morning service. In any case, when you come in here, you can be assured that the environment is going to be such that uh, you can talk openly and freely about the things of God. You know, if we're having a Super Bowl party, you can talk about God. You can talk about your relationship with Jesus Christ, you know. Uh, or if we're having a work day, you can talk to the people you're working with about your relationship with the Lord. And, and it is a, but it is an environment that has been specifically controlled in that way that that is, it's, it's welcome. Praise God. Praise God. And I don't care what we're doing. We'll shut everything down to minister to you. Praise God. Praise God. Because you are what this is all about. You're the reason this place exists. And you and your relationship with the Lord is why this place exists. Praise God. Praise God. Um, you see, the thing is that uh, we've taught people so long how to live in here that we forget that Jesus said, go into all the world. And we, we've almost developed this, unintentionally, but developed this mentality that the Christian life is to be lived in church. 
No, the Christian life is to be equipped here in church. But the majority of the Christian life is lived outside of these doors. That's where you need to know how to walk with the Lord. You need to learn to hear from God, not just in church, but on a daily basis. But here is where you learn it. You know, uh, I, I read a book a couple of years ago uh, by Pastor Leon Fontaine. And um, he made a, 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 in this book, he talked about the fact that he was a, uh, one of his first jobs was as an EMT. And, uh, you know, he went on ambulance calls and, and uh, he talked about how that he was raised in a church environment. He was raised, his parents were pastors. And they, were, they pastored a church in which uh, signs and wonders and manifestations of the Holy Spirit were a common thing in the church that he grew up in. He said, I saw many, many people healed in church. I saw, you know, signs and wonders in church, in, in the church environment. But he said, as an EMT, he said, one night I'm standing in a, uh, in a ditch, knee-deep in water and blood. People are screaming and uh, uh, hysterical because there had been a... a um, terrible automobile accident, and he's there on an emergency uh, EMT ambulance run. And he said, that night, he said, I'm standing there in the ditch, knee-deep in water and blood, and I'm thinking, I see miracles in church, but how do I get them from the church environment to out here? You see, because... Now, you know, I made this statement uh, uh, quite some time back that miracles are more needed over the back fence than they are on the front pew. And, uh, you know, if you understand what I mean by that, the person out there needs the miracles usually more. Most of the miracles that are needed in this world are not represented in this room this morning. Most of the miracles that are needed in the world are somewhere else other than here. They may be in your conversation across the back fence with your neighbor. It may be with the person that's working alongside you on the job. That's where you're going to encounter the greatest need for miracles. Yet we've learned how to get miracles in church, and this is what he was talking about. He said when the miracles happened in church, he said the music was just right. There was an environment of people surrounding uh, the situation, uh, joining their corporate faith together and praying and, and, and believing God for, for miracles and signs and wonders and uh, you know, the environment was absolutely uh, perfect. He said, but I wanted to know how to get miracles outside the church. He said, he said, as I studied the Bible, I noticed that Jesus didn't seem to have any problem with that. He said, so I wanted to know how do we get miracles 
from in there out here. You know. And he talked about, you know, the, the began to talk about many situations and how he began to cry out to God to teach him how to get miracles outside the church instead of just in the church. Now, we thank God for every person that gets saved in church. But you see, the plan of God was not for people to get saved in church. The plan of God was for people to get saved. And since most of the people are outside of the church, if, if you want to reach the lost, reach them out there. Praise God. Now, if they come in here and they don't know Jesus as their Savior, we pray that people don't leave here without knowing Jesus as their Savior. We pray that. We pray that their understanding be open and that they would make a decision for Christ right here. Praise God. But the ultimate plan of God is for you to be an evangelist wherever you are. Praise God. Now, we're not all called to the office of an evangelist, but we are called to be evangelistic in our lives. Praise God. In other words, to do the work of an evangelist wherever we are, to share the good news of Jesus wherever we are. Praise God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15 says this, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So notice there, he says that we need to be workers. He's called us to be workers. That we be diligent, he says, or the, the King James Version of that says, study to show yourself approved to God as a worker. And he goes on to say the worker that's that uh, has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to get our education in the word of God. Praise God. So that we can properly discern the scriptures and properly uh, divide the scriptures. But he says, I, I want to focus on that part there, that he's called us to be workers. Hallelujah. You know, you may serve in some capacity when you come to church and do some act of service during church times, but our primary service to the Lord is not in here. Our primary service to the Lord is out there. Hallelujah. Now, we have to have people that do things around here in order to make all this work. But our primary service to the Lord is out there. Praise God. You see, the objective here is not to learn to become better students, but our objective is to learn to become better workers. Praise God. 
we become students so that we can become better workers. You know, have you ever met college students who were, as they say, career college students? You know, the, their objective was to be a student. Nothing more. It, didn't, it re wouldn't really matter what they studied in college. Their objective was to be a student. And uh, they just became career college students with no goal outside of it. Many Christians have become career students instead of becoming students in order to become workers. God wants us to become workers, you know, because if the, the thing of it is there is a world that is lost and dying. If we don't reach them, who's going to? We're the only ones that have the equipment to reach them. Praise God. Praise God. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, notice this. He himself, he being Jesus, he himself... And I just oh, scan past that. Okay. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Notice what he gave these five ministry gifts for. For the equipping of the saints so that... The saints could be workers so that the saints could do the work of the ministry. The word ministry doesn't mean standing on a platform and preaching. The word ministry could also be translated as serving or service. So, here he's saying that the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are given to equip the saints to serve, to be workers. Praise God. And when the work is done, when the service takes place, then he says that the body of Christ which is the church, he says the body of Christ would be edified and built up. Praise God. Praise God. In Mark chapter 16, I want you to notice the difference between... Now, all four of the Gospels, all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them, plus the book of Acts, all five of those books list the great what we call the Great Commission. In other words, the commission that the Lord gave to the church before he went back to heaven, gave to his, his disciples before he went back to heaven, and all, all five of those books, the first five books of the, uh, of the New Testament, isn't it interesting that the first five books of the Bible, first five books of the Old Testament are about the law, but the first five books of the New Testament are all about the commission and going into the world. And, and, and uh, this is where we find what Christ has done in his death, burial, and resurrection. But anyway, the first five books, all five of them uh, include 
In the beginning of the book, uh, excuse me, toward the end of the books, rather, uh, Acts in the beginning of the book, but uh, all include the Great Commission, but each one of them focuses on a different aspect of that. Would you look at this? In Mark chapter 16, verse number 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, this is... Now, now, bear in mind, Mark is communicating the commission as he hears it. Now, when I'm preaching this message this morning, every one of you will hear the same words, the same message, but you'll go out of here and there will be varying points that were sticking points for you, that, that, that stuck in your mind, stuck in your heart, that, that God began to talk to you about on a personal level. And there are different, different points that I'll bring out this morning that will speak to different ones of you in different ways. And that's exactly what the way it was. When Jesus uh, went out to the Mount of Olives and his uh, disciples were there with him right before he ascended back into heaven, he began to give them all these words. And they all heard the same words, but every one of them had a different take on what Jesus said. And to, to different ones, there was different points of emphasis, okay? In the way that, that they heard it. So that's why they say it in different ways. But notice what Mark said. Mark's emphasis was to preach and demonstrate the good news. That's, that's what Mark saw as the important points of what Jesus said. To preach and to demonstrate the good news. He said... You know, you preach the gospel, you go everywhere, you preach the gospel, and then these signs will follow those who believe what you preach. Praise God. Let's look at Luke. Luke 24, verse 46 through 49. It says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and the third day... And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Luke's focus was the power to be disciples. The power to be disciples. Now, Luke also penned the book of Acts. And so let's see what Luke said 
in Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Luke's emphasis, not only in, in the Gospel of Luke, but also in the book of Acts, his emphasis was upon receiving the power that would empower you to be a disciple and to be a witness. Praise God. He Remember, this is from the same words that Jesus, uh, that Jesus spoke. Now let's look at John. We looked at, at Mark. We've looked at Luke. We've looked at, now we're going to look at John. In John chapter 20, verse number 22 and 23, it says, Then when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any... They are forgiven, and if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, notice here, uh, John's emphasis was on to be an administrator of the remission of sins. To administrate the remission of sins. That was John's emphasis. Now, let's look at Matthew, and there's a reason why I left Matthew till last, even though of the five books, it's first in order. Notice what Matthew said, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, to the, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now notice Matthew's emphasis was on duplication. Let's go through those all real quickly once again. Mark's emphasis was on preaching and demonstration of the good news. Luke's focus was on the power to be disciples. John's focus was on the administration of the remission of sins. Matthew's focus was on duplication. Praise God. All from the same words that Jesus spoke. He only went back to heaven one time, and he only had this meeting one time. So they're all referring back to the same event where Jesus spoke to them before he went back to heaven. But each one heard it with a different emphasis. But I like what Matthew's focus was on duplication. Praise God. Now... What does he want? Jesus was telling them, take all of the things that you have learned from me and take them. The Apostle Paul 
later told this to Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor, and he told Timothy, he said, the things that you have heard and learned from me, commit these things to faithful men who will also commit them to faithful men. So it's the duplication. Praise God. So why should you come to the meeting of the church? Now, we're not trying to make everybody alike, but what we're trying to do is to duplicate the ministry of Jesus in the earth. Praise God. You don't want to duplicate me. We want to duplicate Jesus. Praise God. We want to duplicate Him so that you are empowered to become a worker, not so you can become a better student. But, you know, what good is being a student if uh, I know that, that Chris Haston taught elementary school for many, many years. What grade did you teach? Fifth? Okay. Your objective as a fifth grade teacher was not to make better fifth graders, but to prepare them to be sixth graders, right? Yeah. You want to prepare them for what was to come. Not to be better students in the fifth grade, but to be prepared to be sixth graders. And the objective all the way through, in fact, if you take every teacher from, from kindergarten up, the, the overall objective was to prepare them for post-graduation. Praise God. You know, to, to enter into the workforce after graduation. Praise God. To become productive citizens. And so, uh, you know, it, it, when, when we come to the meeting of the church and Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to, the, to equip the saints not to be better students but to be effective workers. Praise God. Why? Because Jesus wants the whole earth reached and filled with the glory of God. And that is the ultimate purpose of everything we do. Hallelujah. Now, um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, the gospel is a powerful, powerful tool, and none of us have fully grasp the power of the gospel. You know, we're, we're all at different levels of our understanding of that, but, but none of us have fully, totally grasped the power of the gospel because what is the gospel? The word gospel means good news. And it is the good news of what? Well, let me just say this. There is no such thing as good news if it's separated from Christ news. So the gospel is always related to the news of what Jesus has done. 
Praise God. And that's what they were to preach. That's what they were to demonstrate. That's what they were to bear witness to is what Christ has done. Praise God. In Romans chapter 1, verse number 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, what, what is the it? The it is the gospel. I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ, for the good news of Christ is the power of God to salvation. And the word salvation means more than just the remission of your sins, the forgiveness of your sins. It, 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 it goes beyond just the forgiveness of sins. The gospel is the power of God unto everything that was done through the work, the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. What all was included in that? If we could sum it up, we could just say this. The gospel is the good news about the reversal of the curse. Praise God. Aren't you glad that the curse has been reversed? The curse has now given way to blessing because blessing is greater than cursing. What Jesus did, is, what God did in Christ is so much greater than what Satan did in Adam. If the curse has not been reversed in its entirety, then we would have to admit that what Satan did in Adam is greater than what God did in Christ. If the curse was not fully reversed, yet how many Christians don't really believe the curse was reversed? They believe that their sins are forgiven. But they don't believe God wants their body healed. They don't believe God wants to bless them in a material way, in a financial way. They only believe that God, is, God only cares about their sins. And, you, and in all reality, that's pretty low on God's list. Now, sin stood in the way of the relationship that God wanted to have with us, but God's focus and His emphasis was on relationship with us. Now, sin needed to be taken out of the way so that could happen. But not sinning is not the greatest focus and is not God's greatest objective. God's greatest objective is relationship with you. Praise God. Now, he would do whatever was necessary to cause that to happen. Hallelujah. And he had to get sin out of the way because sin was the barrier. But let me just say this. Jesus dealt with it, so it's no longer a barrier. It's no longer in the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God unto salvation 
the all-inclusive word of the gospel, reversing, totally reversing the curse. Hallelujah. Then he goes on, he says, for everyone who, what? Believes. Believes. That's why we preach. So you got something to believe. Praise God. That's why you read your Bible. So you have something to believe. Something you can believe. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's why we set ourselves under the teaching of the Word of God. Because it's not one method of teaching. It is all the methods of teaching. Praise God. You know, if I can learn in, in 10 different ways, I should employ all 10 ways. Now, I've said this. You've been given five physical senses. Two of those senses, you can receive the Word of God through. You can't really taste it. You can't really smell it. You can't really touch it. But you can read it with your eyes. You can hear it with your ears. Praise God. So you're given two senses by which to receive the Word of God. You should use both of them. Praise God. Because you can retain things with one sense that you receive with one sense that you don't retain with the other. And vice versa. And so by combining the two, you can maximize your learning experience. Praise God. And so, um, you know, he wants us to be diligent to employ all methods, both methods of receiving the Word of God so that we can be workers so we can get to the ultimate goal. God wants a relationship not just with you but with the whole world. Praise God. Now, he says, for it is the power of God, the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Now, when he says for the Jew first and also for the Greek, literally what he's saying is for everybody. Started out with the Jew, but now it is the gospel to everybody, to the whole world. Praise God. And then... You know, what does he want you, what, what does he want the world to know? He wants the world to know that he is madly in love with sinners. God is madly in love with sinners. Now, we have this mentality in church, and it's an erroneous mentality, but in, in church we have been taught that God is madly in love with Christians. God is madly in love with people who do everything right, which that wouldn't even be Christians because Christians don't do everything right. But, but we, we, we have thought that God is, is madly in love with perfect people. But the fact is, He is madly in love with all people. He is madly in love with the biggest messed up person you know or have ever heard about. God is madly in love with them. 
Praise God. He was so in love with them that he gave his only begotten son. Praise God. Then, let, let's get this. You, you know, we've, we have erred in, in, you know, we have thought God's in love with perfect people. Not only have we thought that, but we've also communicated that. Probably inadvertently. We didn't mean to communicate that, but yet we have acted like that's the case, and that's what much of the world believes, and it has greatly hampered our ability to communicate the good news of Jesus to them. Because here's what we've said. God loves sinners, but he hates sin. Now, is that a true statement? Is, is it a true statement? You can talk back to me. Is that a true statement? God loves sinners, but he hates sin. That is a true statement. It is a true statement. God hates sin, but why does God hate sin? God hates sin because sin destroys you. He hates sin because he loves you. God loves sinners and he hates sin because, not because he's offended by it. Now, we thought that many times, that God is offended by our sins. No, God hates sin because sin hurts you. And he's against anything that hurts you. So, if, but, but we have said, well, God loves sinners. Absolutely true. And he hates sin. Absolutely true. But let's be, let's be aware of this. People who sin, and I'm not talking about people who occasionally commit a sin. People who, you know, I'm not talking about Christians that, that make mistakes. And I'm, I'm talking about people who have a sin-filled lifestyle. They wake up in the morning thinking about sin, you know. Here's what they hear. When we say God loves sinners, but he hates sin, what they hear is God hates me because I sin. That's not what we said. That's not what we meant. But that's what they heard. I mean, you know people sometimes hear something other than what you actually said. You know, you say something and they, they get something out of it that you didn't say or mean. They take it in a different way. Well, that's how sinners take it when we say God loves sinners, but he hates sin. Why can we not just say God loves sinners and, and, and put a period on the end of it? Well, we have to preach the whole gospel, right? We've got to preach the whole gospel. Now, I have to ask you this question. Is that even possible to preach the whole gospel? Is, is it even possible? First of all, you know, if you've got five minutes with a sinner, can you preach the whole gospel to them? Of course not. Of course not. Then why do we have to make sure that we preach that one little part? You can't preach the whole thing. 
You know, first of all, I don't even know the whole gospel. I know a portion of the gospel. And I got to preach the portion of the gospel that I know. So it's to, to say, well, we got to preach the whole gospel. Well, that, you know, that's just not true because we don't know it. And secondly, time doesn't permit it. And so why can't we just say to sinners, God loves sinners? Instead of saying something that we already know they're going to take wrong. We already know that if we say God hates sin, that they're going to hear God hates me because I sin. Which is not true. They're going to take it wrong. So why can't we just say God loves you? God loves you. Praise God. God is madly in love with you. You have not watered down the gospel by just saying God is madly in love with you. Praise God. You don't have to know their life story in order to say that. You don't have to know what they did yesterday in order to say that. Because no matter what they did, he still loves them. Praise God. Praise God. You know, he is able to deal with the sin issue. God's well able to deal with the sin issue. Praise God. In fact, he did deal with the sin issue at the cross. Praise God. Praise God. Now, Mark chapter 1, verse number 14. Notice this. It says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. We've said repent means that you have to turn from your sins. That's not what repent means. Repent just means to change your mind. Now, if you want to say change your mind about sin, you have to add that part onto it. But just the word gospel just simply means to change your mind. So every time you learn something and you accept it as truth, you just changed your mind. Right? So if you learn a new truth that you didn't know before and you believe it, you accept it, you have just changed your mind. You have just repented. So Jesus said, it says that he went about preaching this and he said, repent, change your mind, and believe in the gospel. So if believing the gospel was repentance, then that means what they were, and the word gospel means good news, then that means what they were believing prior to that time was not, the, was not good news. Now, what were they believing at that time? They were believing, thou shalt not, do this, thou shalt not do that, thou shalt, you know, 
You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not, you know, and, and all of the Ten Commandments, and, and that's what they were believing. They were believing that their way to get to God and to be accepted by God was through keeping the Ten Commandments. That's what they believed. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. Believe the good news. So what they have been believing was that if they kept the Ten Commandments, they would be accepted by God. But the Bible clearly tells us that by the works of the law, no flesh is justified. No flesh is justified by works of the law. So he's saying what you have been believing has not been good news. You know, as hard as you were trying to keep all the Ten Commandments, you didn't keep them all. You couldn't keep them all. You tried. Your very hardest to keep them all. And since you couldn't, that was not good news. He said, but I've got some good news for you. I want you to change your mind. Here's what he said. I want you to change your mind from believing that you have to keep all of the commandments in order to be accepted by God. I want you to change your mind and start believing the real good news. And the real good news is what I'm about to do for you. I'm about to go to the cross, and I am about to pay for every failure, every, every mess up, every departure from the Ten Commandments. I'm about to pay for that. And because I pay for that, if you believe on me, then you will be accepted by God. So he says, stop believing the law and start believing in the grace of God. Hallelujah. Start believing in the good news. And if Jesus preached that message, don't you think that's a message we ought to be preaching? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, repent and believe in the good news. You see, there... We've all seen the picture where the artist comes in, he paints this upside-down picture, and you can't really tell what it is. In fact, there's one that it kind of looks like a, like a tomb. And, and then you finish the picture, and you turn it over, and you find out it's really a picture of Jesus. Now, here's the thing. The upside-down picture said it's all about what you do but the corrected picture says it's all about Jesus and what he did. Hallelujah. Your acceptance with God based on your works and self-effort is the upside-down picture. But when we turn the picture over, we see Jesus. And when we see Jesus there, that's, that's how we are accepted by God. That's how we are approved by God because Jesus was approved and because we believe upon Jesus. We see Jesus and we put our trust in him and therefore God has accepted us because he accepted him. Hallelujah. Under the old covenant, they would bring a sacrifice lamb and they would offer that lamb 
But before they could offer that lamb as a sacrifice, the priest had to, have to, had to examine that lamb and make sure that it was a perfect lamb. Met the standard for a sacrifice. But not once do we see the priest ever examine the guy that brought the lamb. He only examined the lamb. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away to the sin of the world. So when we come to God on the basis of Jesus, Jesus is examined, not us. What do you think God finds when he examines Jesus? Absolute perfection. The lamb that was slain, that was offered, that was examined by the priest and found to be a perfect lamb, qualified to be a sacrifice lamb. What was found in that lamb was perfection, and therefore it was credited to the person who brought the lamb. When Jesus is examined, he is found to be perfect, and because he is found to be perfect, His perfection is credited to the one who comes in his name. Who comes on the basis of what he did. Of his perfection. Aren't you glad? That's that's the message the world is crying out to hear. Praise God. And that's what we come to the meeting of the church. To get equipped to go into all the world and preach the good news. Hallelujah. He didn't say go into all the world and preach the truth. You know, if, if that's what he meant, that's what he would have said. But that's not what he said. He said go into all the world and preach the good news. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but there ain't no good news in that. That is not good news. But the next part of it is the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the good news. Hallelujah. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's the truth. But there's no good news in that. But the Lord has delivered them out of them all. There's the good news. Praise God. He said go into all the world and preach the good news and then demonstrate the good news. Hallelujah. That Jesus came to this earth. He came here and he became you and went to the cross as you. He was nailed to that cross. And therefore, in the mind of God, you were nailed to the cross. So you have already, if you have accepted what Jesus did, and you've identified with what he did, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, you were nailed to the cross. And you were fully punished on the body of Jesus. That's the good news. That means there's no more punishment waiting for you. Praise God. Praise God. That's what the world needs to hear. Hallelujah. If you believe the message that I've preached today, I want to just ask you to pray something with me. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth 
the Lord Jesus. That's acknowledging him and what he has done. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. To, to believe that God raised him from the dead is to believe that the work was completed, to believe that the punishment has already been finished. He couldn't be raised from the dead if the punishment wasn't finished. So you believe that God raised him from the dead. And he said, you will be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you believe what I've told you today, that you've never prayed that prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to ask you to do that right now. Because this is how you tap into and make what Jesus did yours personally. If you've never done that, in fact, I want to ask everybody in this room, you say, well, I've already done that. Well, you can't confess Jesus is Lord too many times. Praise God. You've already been saved. That's okay. You still should be confessing Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if you pray this prayer, you mean it. You believe what you're saying. You mean it then the Bible says you will be saved. So let's pray it right now together. Everyone in here today, pray this together. And everybody online, pray this with me right now. God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me in my place. He bore all the punishment for my sins. And having completed the work, he was raised from the dead. Today, I choose to put my trust completely in Jesus for my salvation. I believe that Jesus is now my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you go to wolcarlsbad.com. WOLCarlsbad.com. On that website, you will find a place where you can download a little book called I Choose Jesus, free of charge. Download that book. It'll help you know what just happened to you and help you get started in following the Lord. Also, if you're here today in, in this room, in the back of the seat in front of you, there in that blue card that we mentioned earlier, there's a, a checkbox on there that says I Choose Jesus. Just check that box and, and, and fill that out for us. And, uh, and once again, you can hand that to any of us. You can uh, leave it in the seat, uh, and we'll find it there. Praise God. But, but do that for us. Praise God. Also, if you have accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then... Uh, You know, we, we are so grateful that you have received Jesus as your Savior. And we want you to know that we, we pray for you. And God is going to show you. He's going to begin to reveal the, the truth of the good news to you. Praise God that God is madly in love with you. But Jesus said that the Father has a gift for you. We refer to it as baptism with the Holy Spirit. Very simple to receive your gift. Now that you have been born again, now that you have made Jesus your Lord, 
you are now eligible to receive this gift. And with this gift comes power for your life. With this gift comes the ability to pray when you don't know how to pray, to pray beyond your intellect. Praise God. And it's very simple to receive. Jesus said, everyone who asks receives. So that means that there's not a chance that you could ask and not receive. I mean, if you're serious about it and you ask, you're going to receive. Just that simple. Just that simple. And so right now, I want us to, to ask. I want to lead you in a prayer to ask. And when we say amen at the end of this prayer, there's going to come something up from the inside of you. There's going to be words that you don't know what they mean. It's going to be a language you haven't learned. Holy Spirit is giving you words to pray. So just pray them. It's just that simple. Praise God. Can we do that together this morning? Just, just say this together. Say, Father God, Jesus said you have a gift for me. So I've come to receive my gift today. I'm asking you for my gift. Because Jesus said ask. He said I will receive. So I thank you right now for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Father, for your abundant gift. I receive him now into my life. Amen. Now, begin to speak out those words. You need to hear yourself. I don't need to hear you, but you need to hear yourself speaking with other tongues. Other tongues is not scary. It's just that simple. Just begin to pray that out, and you will be praying the perfect will of God. And from this point on, do that every day of your life. If you need healing in your body this morning, just lift your hand. In, in Jesus' name, I release that healing anointing to flow right now. Receive it now in Jesus' name. Say with me. Say, I receive. I receive. In the name of Jesus, amen. Receive your healing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you, and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website, and we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus, and I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us, and remember that God is madly in love 